Okay, so this morning we are privileged to hear from three of our young adults from court right here, uh, Callum McLeod, Melanie Sharp-Burgess, and Hannah Beer. And I use that word privileged quite intentionally. It's a privilege because it means that we have young adults among us in our midst, which sadly can't be said for a lot of churches. It's a privilege because we get to hear God at work in their hearts. And it's a privilege because as a multi-generational church, we get to hear from one another. I preached a little bit about that last week as we talked about how we as a church want to cultivate a culture of honoring one another. And a part of that is listening to and learning from the different generations among us. We honor our young people by relegating them not to the margins, but giving them true opportunities to serve in meaningful ways, recognizing them not only as the future of the church, but the church of right now. Amen? Amen. One of the warning signs of a church that might be in its twilight years is when that church refuses to hand over the reins of leadership in appropriate ways to our youth and our young adults. Or you get this with a lot of churches where they say in theory that they are willing, but in practice they don't actually do it. The Apostle Paul in Scripture cared deeply about investing in the next generation of, of church leadership to secure its health and longevity. And we see that most fully in, on display in his two letters to uh, Timothy, his protege and church leader. He was a young guy. We're not sure how old, but he wasn't very old. Paul invested deeply into Timothy, helping him become wise, supporting him, and leading him through some challenges on, and complex church dynamics. And one of, the, one of Paul's many encouragements to Timothy was found, is found in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. It's a lot of twos. It says these words, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So it's a really simple exhortation, but it's one that specifically highlights the challenges that come with being a young person. And in many, and in many ways, 2,000 years later, a lot of those same challenges and temptations and points of straying have not changed. The medium changes, but the actual heart behind it doesn't. Paul just doesn't tell them how to not live, though. Paul tells them how to live. He says, yes, run away from things that are going to harm you. But he says, run toward righteousness and faith and love and peace. Run toward those things. Pursue those things above all else. And then he says something really critical right after that. He says, run toward those things along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. He says, don't do it alone. Pursue God together. This is where honoring, the honoring of one another comes into play. We honor our young people by hearing their stories, by encouraging them, mentoring them, giving them opportunities to serve in meaningful ways, by loving them, by giving them freedom to succeed and sometimes freedom to fail. We're not propping up these three testimonies this morning as people who have it all together. I know them and they, they don't have it all together. <laughs> 
but rather they're people in, pro- in process. They're learning and growing in faith. And it's just a beautiful opportunity to hear from them. For the rest of us, we have so much to offer in our faith, in our life experiences, in our schooling experiences, which many of them are kind of involved in right now, our work experiences, our relationship experiences. There's not many places like the church where we can have such a broad array of people that we have access to. We can learn from folks like Fred and Betty Schuett, who I learned this week are celebrating 50 years of marriage, which I think is pretty incredible. Um, Like, we have so much to learn from people who have been married for decades and decades, but we also have so much to learn from our youth who are on the tail end of their alpha course that they've been doing. We can learn from our single congregants, our working professionals, our retirees, our stay-at-home parents. This is the beauty of a multi-generational Christian community. So today we get to hear from specifically our young people, and that's because I believe that they are the church of now, and we want to give them an opportunity to share what God is doing in their lives. And so learn from them this morning, pray for them, consider how you might tangibly support and encourage them in life and their faith. So we're going to start with Callum, and then uh, Melanie Sharp-Burgess will be joining us via video. Uh, she couldn't be with us this morning, but we really, really wanted to hear from her. And then Hannah Beer will come on up right after that. So Callum, would you come on up? Give him a round of applause as he comes. And just as they come on up, I want to just quickly pray for them as they share their stories. So God, would you uh, give us ears to hear what you are doing through uh, the young people in our midst? And we thank you for them. We thank you that uh, you are working with all the different generations in our community. Would you bless these, uh, these folks now as they share what you're doing in their lives? Amen. Amen. Hello. <laughs> Good morning. We are the future, aren't we? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, true, true. There will be no Toronto Maple Leafs jokes this morning. Um, There will be none. It is a somber morning, so everything will be very serious. Um, Good to see you all. I'm Cal McLeod. Uh, If you don't know me, I've been at KBC for 11-ish years. I was here during elementary school and high school, uh, so I've been part of the youth for a long time. And my family still goes here, so that's very exciting. And uh, I love coming back, so I love being here. Um, And if you do know me, hey, it's good to see you again. It's been a while. Um, I've been back a little bit this year, but not as much as I would have liked. So today I'm going to be sharing a little bit about what God has been doing in my life, uh, some of the things he's been teaching me, and yeah, we're going to have a good time. So uh, specifically this past year, I started my first year of university. I'm going to McMaster, just throw away, over in Hamilton. So pretty close, but very nice. Um, I'm doing a majoring in economics and political science, which I find very interesting, although not everyone does, and I understand that. Um, And yeah, my first year there was really good. I really enjoyed it. And uh, today specifically, as I was praying about what to share about, because there's just a wealth of things that God's been teaching me, um, I prayed about it a lot. And I was brought to this kind of tradition our family has, where every year, uh, each of us picks a verse and a word for the year that we think God's kind of been leading us into, and uh, that we, we think he's kind of placed on our hearts. And for 2022, mine was community, that was my word, and my verse was 2 Corinthians 3.18, which I will read for you now. And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, 
are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, you might be saying, Cal, that's kind of a funky verse to choose for community. And you'd be right. It's definitely a little bit of a different one. And what it's talking about here is our transformation uh, from the old man to the new man uh, by looking at Christ. And I chose it for community because a pastor mentor friend of mine um, pointed out to me how at the start of it, Paul is Paul writing. Um, he writes, and we, and that's his beginning of it. And very much like the ending of that verse that uh, Justin shared, it's an emphasis on the fact that as we grow into uh, newness of life in Christ, it's done in community and it's not done solely on our own. So community has been a big thing for me and that's what I'm gonna be kind of focusing on today. So a little bit of backstory. Uh, this year, this past year, I was at McMaster and the year before that, I was at a Bible school in British Columbia, which is a Cape and Ray school if you're familiar with that. So it was kind of an intensive eight month long uh, Bible school which sounds like what it is. It's a Bible school. You learn about the Bible. Um, but it was all about Jesus. Um, there was 150-ish people on the campus. Um, we were all very close. And the focal point of everything was Christ. Um, our classes were about uh, the Bible and about Jesus. Um, our conversations outside of the classes were centered on him. Uh, that was the main point of everything. So it was really an intensive Christian community. And after that, I spent some time working up at a Christian camp in Muskoka, which some of you might know, Ontario Pioneer Camp. Um, and while I was working up there, it was much the same thing. I was in more of a serving role, a little less learning through reading, but um, it was still the kind of intensive Christian community that uh, you'd expect from a camp or a Bible school. So I had a year of that, and then I was thinking about kind of what it is to come into uh, a university that doesn't really, um, isn't incredibly accepting of that faith or, or teach those kind of values, and what it is to live that community that I'd felt for that year, which was so incredible, what it is to live that in an environment that isn't so friendly towards it. So that was kind of what I was thinking about. And I'm going to be sharing a couple of things that I've kind of picked up on that experience. Um, it was very like a non-linear experience. There's, there's, it's pretty crazy. There's a lot of ups and downs. It's very fun. Um, but yeah, I'm just going to be sharing two specific things. And uh, yeah, I'm going to go from there. So the first thing is the humility and the importance of humility in community. So when Paul wrote to the church in Colossae, uh, specifically in uh, Colossians 3.12, he wrote about five virtues that he wanted the church to clothe itself with. Um, so he asked them to clothe itself with humility, gentleness, kindness, kindness, patience, and compassion. And so I'm picking humility out of that. Um, and the importance of humility has really, really uh, weighed heavy on me this year. And much like Justin said, I basically took my whole thing in that thing you were talking about before. And I missed your sermon last week, but I bet it was great. Um, the importance, of, the importance of talking to others who have different experiences about from faith than us is so important. Um, and I think that was really highlighted for me this year as I was exploring uh, different churches, different Bible studies, different Christian groups on campus and meeting so many people with different backgrounds than me. Um, I found that as I was able to meet with those people and learn from them and learn from their experience with Christ, my idea of uh, God and his greatness only expanded. Um, and that was a little bit hard for me to, to think about, um, humility and being able to learn from others, uh, because I was, I was very calm. I was, I was confused that there were some things I wanted to be confident about, but other things that I was needed to be malleable about. And, uh, I have a quote here from Martin Luther. So if you thought that like, a cloud was coming up and not going to have a quote from him, you were wrong. <laughs> so, uh, here's Martin Luther. The Holy Spirit is no skeptic. He has written neither doubt nor mere opinion into our heart, but rather solid assurances which are more sure than all experience and even life itself. So 
I was trying to hold in two hands this idea of assertions and assurances about God, his character, and our salvation, and all these things that we're assured of through the Spirit, um, while also wanting to be malleable with experience and understanding how God works in the real life. And that was, that was good for me to learn. It was, it was hard. It wasn't easy, um, but it was important. And uh, yeah, that was definitely one of the biggest things. And like I said, it really expanded God's character for me. Uh, when maybe subconsciously I only had my, my own personal thoughts of, or experiences of God's sovereignty, his love, his mercy, uh, his justice, as I was able to talk with others and hear how they experienced those things, um, those, my ideas of those things only expanded and those concepts only got larger. So that was incredible. And uh, second thing here is the outward focus of Christian communities. So I, I'm blessed to have an amazing group of non-Christian friends. Uh, I had them throughout elementary and high school, and we're still really good friends now. Um, I've hung up them, with them a bunch as I've been in Guelph. And for a long time, I've wondered the difference in Christian community and non-Christian community, because this group of Christian friends has always had my back. They're great dudes. Um, we've, all, we've been good friends for like 10 plus years. And it's, it's amazing to be able to go to them with, with problems and things, and, and uh, we always stick up for each other. So one of my big thoughts, uh, this year especially, was what makes Christian communities different? And uh, unsurprisingly, Jesus has the answer. So uh, Luke 6 here, um, from the Sermon on the Mount, verses 32 to 36. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you, good, and if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. So, taking this outward focus, I kind of think that these verses here show the epitome of the golden rule, uh, to love our neighbor as yourself. Um, I think that because, like he says here, Jesus, he says, it's easy to love those who love you. What credit is that to you? Everyone does that. My non-Christian friends do that. We, we all love each other. But the real difference in a Christian community is that you're willing to love those who don't love you. You're willing to love those who, you go, you're willing to radically love and go above and beyond for those who disagree with you. Um, and that's the difference. It's that outward focus of saying, we're not just going to look inside at each other, um, but we're going to be the salt of the earth. We're going to be the light on the hill. Uh, we're going to go out and redeem the world. And it's that partnership that God, um, and through Jesus, through his death on the cross, when he says he's going to redeem the world, that we get to partner with him in that. And that's, that's what the focal point of the Christian community is, that, that outward focus, that not only looking in, but coming together and then going out. Um, so that's really been, been put on my heart. And uh, uh, it's been interesting figuring out how to live that out. That's been, that's been a big challenge in, inside um, uh, a kind of community that isn't, isn't always, there are a lot of people who are not so friendly with um, Christianity and its, its thoughts, and it's been interesting finding the, being able, finding a way to be gentle and kind, but also um, stand up for the truth, so that's been, that's been a good challenge, but uh, kind of to cap this all off, um, I wanted to bring up this point of, I think, why community is so important for me to share this morning. Um, kind of, okay, so Paul, when he's writing to the Romans in the first chapter, uh, he writes that he wants to go to them and visit them so that he may impart some spiritual gifts and so that he may encourage, be encouraged by their faith and they be encouraged by his. And I think testimonies are a great way of kind of doing that. And especially for youth that go off. So I've been, I've been away kind of from KPC. I come back here and there, but I've been mostly gone for the past couple of years. And being able to come back is so incredible because my experience with Christian community uh, is largely built off of what 
I've experienced here. Um, I spent more than half my life here. And I've met so many people who have had such awful experiences with churches. And I'm blessed to say that you guys and so many of you have um, prayed for me and helped me and built me up and taught me so many things. And that's amazing to say. And you guys have encouraged me so much. And when myself and Melanie and Hannah and we come back and we talk about the ways that God's working in our life and the fruit that uh, he's producing through us, uh, I hope that's an encouragement to you. Uh, there was a baptism two weeks ago and you know they do the thing with the water and then stand up and I do. And then all the congregation stands up and they're like, will you teach this child about Jesus? And everyone's like, yes. And that, that has, although it, it happens sometimes and I mean, not everyone may have the opportunity to teach that child, that is not without consequence. And those things have real impact on people's lives and they've had an impact on mine and they've impact on others. On others. So yeah, that's, uh, that's all I got. If you, I would love prayer for um, the McMaster campus um, and especially for all the Christian groups. We're trying to do more things together, um, get more ecumenical, so that's going to be fun. Um, and yeah, just for humility and figuring out how to do that and, and all that fun stuff. So thank you all so much. Um, I really appreciate you and I love being back and it's good to see some some old faces, some new faces, and some faces that are getting older, so. Hi, um, my name is Melanie Sharp Burgess. Um, I'm a student at Redeemer University, and I'm studying business management slash accounting, um, and I'm going into my third year. Um, so I don't know if many of you guys know this, but it, my first year was September 2020, which was um, just at kind of like during COVID. Um, but Redeemer University was actually open for in-person classes, which was super awesome. So I got to have that first year experience. Um, I got to go in class and meet my like my profs and meet my classmates. I got to live on residence, which was really great. Um, but one of the things I struggled with during my time at Redeemer was that. Um, I just, like, during my first year, I didn't really connect super well with my dorm mates. I lived with seven other girls, and there was just some who I just, I didn't really connect with. Um, and they're all just, they're amazing women, and I just, I love them, I really do. Um, but you know, there's just some people you don't connect with it with as well. Um, so during that time, I just kind of isolated myself in a way um, due to that and due to a bunch of other factors. Um, and it was just like a time where I was very prideful, and pride can look very different to different people, but for me, pride looked like um, not being able to ask for help. Um, and that was something that I struggled with um, from not being able to ask people like, hey, can like we compare homework answers? Cause like I'm struggling with this or being stressed out about a test and not being able to like tell someone about that. Um, even from like doing physical tasks, like flipping a bed, which the beds were super heavy. Um, and I just had this determination and stubbornness um, to be like, no, I can do it on my own, which is probably something I really shouldn't have done. Um, and even just from like things like struggling with temptation and sin, such as like anger and lust and envy and just stuff like that, where I should have gone out for help and looked for support. Um, but I was just like, no, I can do this on my own. I don't need anyone else's help. I didn't want to be a burden. I didn't want to um, have someone, I don't know. I didn't want to just, I didn't want to be a burden on the people. Um, and eventually it just got really unhealthy where I was just, 
getting burnt out and very tired and I was like disappointed with myself. I was like, why can't I deal with these things all by myself? Um, I can do it. I'm strong. I'm independent. Um, and God just really spoke to me and he was, he was like, you need to let go of your pride. And that just hit me because I was like, pride? Like I thought pride was like arrogance and blah, blah, blah. But he was like, no, pride can look like not asking others for help. And I was like, <laughs> because I didn't realize that what I was doing is I was just pretending that I was okay and that I didn't need other people. Um, but I needed to take a posture of humility and I needed to ask for support and ask for, for help. And asking for help and can be really scary because you don't want to show other people that you're being that you're vulnerable and that you're weak and you don't have it all together um but i what i found is that when you ask others for help they're actually happy to listen they're happy to be there for you um so i encourage you that if you're struggling asking for help and you feel like you're all alone and you feel like you need to do things everything by yourself um ask someone for help because they want to be there for you um, and I found that during that time, asking others for help helped me connect with them better because I was able to both like connect with them because they knew my struggles and then I was get able to know their struggles as well. Um, and one verse that really spoke to me during that time was um, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, um, which was, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. And that's just a verse that, um, that just spoke to me because I was like, well, I'm not enough. God is, and he will give me the strength and the guidance and the power to get through whatever I'm going through. Um, and we're not meant to do life alone. Like you shouldn't do life alone. Um, you don't have to do life alone and you aren't meant to do life alone. And that's just something that I really had to learn. Um, and as I go into my third year, I'm just taking these lessons and trying to remind myself every day that um, it's okay to ask for people to um, ask for help. Um, and yeah, so that's just, I guess, a little bit of my story about my experience at Redeemer. It's such an amazing community. I've loved being there. I've loved just getting to know different people and just um, studying my courses. Um, so yeah, thank you for taking the time to having me be here. Um, hope you have a lovely day. <laughs>
um, and preparing opportunities for me that I truly, truly couldn't have dreamed up on my own. It was so clear to me that he was opening doors for me to go away to Bible school um, because so many things were falling into place that really didn't have any other logical reasoning. One of these things that was that I was able to get a European visa, which was approved for me in two days instead of two months. Um, and there was also all sorts of other logistics that were just coming together perfectly in order to send me to Austria. Um, and so I went away to Bible school for three months, only 10 days after I'd applied. Um, and of course, it was school and studying, um, but there were also opportunities for me to do a whole lot of hiking and some skiing in the Alps too. Um, when the ski season had started, our lectures were in the evenings, and so in the mornings we'd head up the hill, we'd ski until lunch, we'd stay in our gear, come down, eat lunch, and then head right back up the gondola to ski for the afternoon. So that was definitely a highlight for me. Um, there are so many things that I could share about Bible school. We had lectures in small groups all throughout the week where our guest speakers would be teaching us, and sometimes it was a topic that we were learning about, for example, like the Holy Spirit or missions, and then other times it was a book study where we were digging deeper into a certain book of the Bible. There was also one course that we had every Monday morning where our principal was taking us through this big picture study of the Bible. And it was a really helpful tool um, as we were learning from our other teachers because it kind of gave me a better understanding of the context of the things I was learning from them. And then something I really appreciated from Bible school was just the chance that I had to be actually studying the Bible, which maybe doesn't really seem like a super creative or original reflection on Bible school, because maybe that's what you'd expect from it. Um, <laughs> except that at no other time in my life can I like think of a time where I've been actually studying the Bible in such a condensed um, way. And like any other time at school, I was studying science or math, and I had assignments related to that, but never such an intensive... Um, yeah, study of the Bible, um, and I just really appreciated this because um, we, I was studying Christian topics and ideas that are so foundational, um, part of what I believe, and uh, of course I had church and summer camp and, and uh, Bible studies back home, but this experience was different. Um, anytime in the past, yeah, just because I was studying, um, yeah, I was studying and getting to assignments and things um, in such a different and intensive way than anything else that I'd been doing at home. And so I think it's given me a toolbox um, that I can kind of now use in my everyday life. Um, so an example of this, I think, would be I would be able to defend my faith a little better um, and just more naturally articulate Christian ideas and principles um, just because of this foundation that Bible school has provided me with. Um, during Bible school, we'd kind of periodically have these reflection papers to turn in, and what I found was this, these papers became an opportunity for me to just become more vulnerable um, as I was reflecting on the topics that, and like discussions from that week. Um, I'm somebody who really doesn't like to feel negative or sad emotions. I tend to push those away and never address them. Um, but these reflection papers gave me a chance to validate all these things that I was feeling, whether they were good or bad. Um, but even more than these reflection papers, I was willing to be more vulnerable in my prayers and my quiet time with God. I realized that I kind of only had a tendency to allow God into the things in my life that I was proud of or that felt good. Um, but I started to invite God into the things in my heart that need work. Um, and this is where I saw some growth in my prayer life. Um, because, and yeah, and just my overall relationship with him. Because I started to pray things like, God, show me the things in my heart that are distancing me from you. Um, we had a couple of conversations about prayer and just how God wants to come close to us and get to know us better and better. 
And something that one of my Bible school teachers encouraged us to do was to not only pray for a specific prayer request, but to also be praying for things like wisdom or patience or other Christ-like qualities. And it's in those things that you can really see growth no matter the circumstance because God will give you these things because he wants um, to know you better and he desires to know you better um, and for you to know him better. So some of my prayers recently went something like, Lord, I'm praying for an acceptance into this university, but even more, would you be equipping me during this time of waiting because I know you will use me to build your kingdom no matter what comes next. And so praying things along those lines helped change my posture of prayer and just really helped me to open up, open my heart to receive what God was teaching me. And it sort of reminded me uh, to just hold things like palm up and just trust that God knows my dreams and he knows my desires, but that ultimately he is the one who is orchestrating all things to work out for good. Um, so yeah. Another thing I discovered while I was away was just the significance of praying scripture in addition to just reading it. Once a week, we'd have scheduled prayer mornings, and sometimes there would be a topic. Um, we'd be praying in a group. Sometimes we'd go for a prayer walk. But other times, it was just an hour to go find a cozy corner and pray by yourself. Um, and at first, this was super, super intimidating for me because I was like, I'm going to get so distracted. What if I like, don't have the words to say? I'm going to need to go get a snack first, um, that kind of thing. Um, but these individual prayer mornings were kind of when I discovered what praying scripture can look like. And it was because I'd run out of things to say and I could, or I couldn't find the words. Um, so I'd open up, often it was one of Paul's letters, um, and just add my name into what Paul was praying, sort of as an affirmation. Like, yes, Lord, I am praying this over my circumstance even today. Um, and I found this super helpful because sometimes you can't find the right words, but there are prayers right in the Bible that um, might be the exact things that will help you in your situation. Um, and so this is something that I just want to encourage you with. Um, if you're feeling stuck or unsure of what to say next, you can just turn to the words that are right there in front of us and that we're so blessed to be able to hold in our hands. Another part of my time away was traveling Europe. I traveled with some of my new friends from Bible school, um, but I also had the chance to stay with my family who live in Switzerland and the UK. Um, and it was just so incredible to experience other cultures and languages and food. The food was such a highlight for me. All the different international things, it's incredible. Um, I was also able to visit with Ken and Doreen Oak um, in Spain, who are um, some of Core8's mission partners. And yeah, I'm just so beyond grateful that I was able to get a little taste of life in other countries. Um, and yeah, it was just something, it was so much more than I could have possibly imagined back in September when I was feeling a little bit anxious. Um, so that's a little bit about what I've been up to and challenged towards in the last eight months. And I'm so grateful to have been able to have this experience even through the pandemic. Um, and I'm so, I hope some, so I hope something that I've shared today will just encourage you um, to, yeah, grow a little closer to the Father. So thank you so much. What a gift. <laughs> what a gift to hear from Callum and Melanie and Hannah. Thank you. Thank you for your vulnerability. Thank you for your honesty. And um, it's not an easy thing to stand up here and share how God has been at work in your life. And you've offered us a really rich gift this morning. So thank you. Justin mentioned um, before we got to hear from them from 2 Timothy 2.22, which was talking about running towards righteousness or right-relatedness. 
and another description of what it looks like to run towards righteousness or right-relatedness is found in Matthew 5 at the beginning of what's known as the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. This is that section of statements that begin, blessed are, including blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, blessed are the pure in heart. And these are some of the things that came to mind as I listened to our young adults share. Um, This theme of dependence, of recognizing our need for God, that's what it means to be poor in spirit, to know that you don't have it all together, Uh, to desire humility, to know your need for God. And that's what God says is blessed, and I really think that came through this theme of humility and of God leading um, Callum and Melanie and Hannah in that way. Um, Also, this theme of uh, pure in heart, so this idea, not that, again, you're perfect and there's nothing wrong, but this idea of those who examine their hearts and allow anything that is not of God to rise up to the surface, to be seen and exposed for what it is, more of a transparency of heart. Um, They also shared about our need for one another, that we are created not just to depend on God, but by extension to depend on one another as well, to pursue God together. So I pray that we would continue to reflect on these things and be encouraged uh, so that what they have received is not actually just for them, but is actually a gift for us all. At Courtright, we're wanting to create this culture of mentorship where we are learning from each other, and we had the opportunity to do that this morning, where we are both learning from each other and passing on what we have learned to each other. So this means seeing that we have received something, no matter how old we are, we have received something to pass on. It also means having a posture and a heart of being a learner, of realizing that we, no matter what age we are, have more to learn. We are gifted at Courtright of having this multi-generational context. It's what have drawn a lot of us actually to be at this church, and we want to continue to make the most of this, of learning from one another across the generations.